Hi guys, welcome to Invited In with Christine Boyle. I'm your host, Christine Boyle, and I am so excited to be here with you today. We are on episode three. So exciting. So I'm probably going to cheer for every episode till we hit like episode 11, just so you know. But no, I'm super pumped. Love being here with you guys. Love recording these podcasts. And as I'm doing this, I'm realizing like this really is a passion of mine more than I even knew. So yes, excited to be here with you today for episode three. I am sitting in my daughter Courtney's beautiful room. It's tantalizing teal, it's gold, it's sparkly, it's pink, it's girly, it's Disney. It's all the things that represented her. She went home to be with Jesus about a year and a half ago, and she was kind of my wife for starting this. And so when it came time to actually execute this podcast, I thought, what better place than her room to sit and do this? So it is a joy for me to sit here in her room and get to share with you today. So thank you so much for joining me today. Just an FYI, if you are listening to this, but you would rather watch this, I do have video for this podcast over on my YouTube channel. So head over there and watch it if you would like. Um, I had some technology issues last one and wasn't able to do video, but this one so far so good uh, is going better. (laughs) So, but there probably still will be some technology issues this time. Still learning here, guys. Promise. Still learning. But Hey, we are going to tackle a really hard topic today. And I don't know that it's hard. Uh, Maybe that's not the right word. A big topic. And this is something that is just so personal to me. If you remember in episode one, I shared about my dad being schizophrenic and me being his guardian. And then Courtney, who I just shared, passed away a year and a half ago. She had disabilities, chronically ill as well. My son, Kevin, is adopted from El Salvador and is 20 years old, has disabilities, and has chronic medical needs as well. So those those three people are kind of my why. They're the reason that my life is very much a part of the world of disability. They are my why. And so I just want to say, as we're going to tackle a big topic today. I'm not an expert. Been on this journey a long time. I'm sharing my experiences. I'm sharing what people have chosen to share with me. And there easily could be things you disagree with or, you know, we might not think the same way about certain things. But that's kind of the joy of a podcast, no matter what the topic is, is you just get to share. You get to share your perspective. People get to weigh in, give feedback. And so, again, I think, you know, those first two episodes were really kind of introductions to kind of who I am and why I have a heart for this, what Invited In is really going to be about. And now I feel like now we're going to start getting to some of those more weightier topics, right, Um, that really impact us for those of us who are part of the disability community or our caregiving. I think we're going to be tackling, yeah, bigger topics, um, ableism, disability theology, suffering. Today, we're going to be talking about when silence is sinful, just things like that, the church, what the church's role is in the world of disability, things like that. And we're going to have fun topics too. I don't want to make it sound like it's all these weighty, weighty things. And really the way I'm going to kind of come up with who my guests are and the topics that we tackle, a lot of that is just going to be, again, from my own experiences, because I guess I feel like if it's something that has mattered a lot to me, if it's something that has impacted me, I can only assume 
it's something that a lot of other people want to know or want to understand or it's impacted them. And so again, a lot of this is just going to come from my personal experiences. And then yeah, if you have any thoughts on topics, things that are really important to you that you're like, man, I would love to hear a podcast about this. If it relates to disability and faith, please reach out to me. Send me a message through Facebook or YouTube or go to my website, www.christineboyle.com and reach out. Please give me some ideas on what's important to you. Because again, otherwise I'm going by my personal experiences and what's been important for me. So, and thank you. Thank you for joining me for episode three. I appreciate you all so much, like way more than you probably realize. (laughs) But it's a joy. And Invited In is really designed to be just talking about things that are disability related and how they connect to faith. Because I think it's very easy when you're doing things day after day, you can sometimes just forget that Jesus is in every single detail of our lives, right? If we look for him, if we seek him, we can find him in every single detail. From my perspective, being a caregiver for as long as I have been, I guess I would say like, I need that. I need to remember that. I need to be reminded of that, that Christ is in every detail. I needed and still need to be reminded if I'm changing my adult child's diaper, that that can be worship to the Lord, right? Like I need to be reminded of those things because these journeys, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the disability is, no matter, you know, if that person has medical needs or doesn't, or if it's autism or if it's cerebral palsy or a mental health issue, you name it. It's challenging. It comes with very unique challenges. And so I think we all need to be reminded that God is in every single detail and everything can be looked at through a spiritual lens. And so much of these journeys that we're on It's so much about perspective. And as the Bible tells us, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and remembering that it really is about him and following him and he is in every detail. So again, that means a lot to me. I can only assume that that means a lot to you and you need that encouragement and those reminders as much as I know I do for myself. So we are going to proceed with our topic for today. And, you know, this was interesting because I actually posted on my Facebook page and I posted on two like complex care disability groups that I'm a part of on Facebook and just asked people to give me some ideas and chime in and share with me their experiences. So I'm going to share some of what people shared with me with you today, because I think it's really important to hear a wide variety of perspectives. And so I will be sharing that. But the topic for today is when silence is sinful. And just a little background for me. So I was in El Salvador at one point before Kevin was coming home. And I had gone there to visit him because our adoption process, like I shared in episode two, took four years. It was long. It was hard. (laughs) It was probably the hardest it could be. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's people with worse adoption stories, but it was hard. And I was just feeling really discouraged. I was feeling like I was having to fight for every single thing to get him here. We were dealing with corruption with the first agency we were working with, which made the process even longer. And it just felt like we were just hitting roadblock after roadblock. And so 
you know, I'm leaving El Salvador and my flight gets delayed. And it was weird, but a God thing, of course, right? Anytime you're like, hmm, what a coincidence. How ironic. You know, it's just the Lord doing something, right? You got to just trust that. But that day, my flight gets delayed. And I'm sitting there at the gate and there is a guy who runs a children's home in El Salvador that's friends with our friend who ran the children's home that Kevin was from. And, you know, him and I start talking and he gives me a devotional book that day. And he honestly, if if I saw him today and said, hey, do you remember that book you gave me? He'd probably be like, what are you talking about? So isn't that funny too, how God uses us? It's probably something he doesn't even remember because this was probably, I don't know, I'm going to guess 13 or 14 years ago, where to me, this has impacted my life incredibly. It has changed me as a mom. It has changed me as a caregiver. It has changed me as an advocate. So just that's just a quick little side note, like never underestimate what God's doing when he calls you to just do something that's very simple that you may do and you may never think about it again, but the impact it can have on someone else, right? Like we just have no idea what God is doing sometimes. So he gives me this devotional and I'm reading this devotional just, you know, over a handful of days, come across one of the days in this devotional um, that talks about the sin of silence. And it just greatly impacted me because I'm going to give a quick paraphrase of it. It's basically silence can be sinful. And I don't know if you have felt this, but I have felt this. So I'm trying to think of the best way to explain how I feel at times about this. I'm going to back up a second and say, I think when you are on a journey of disability or of caregiving for someone with a disability, being an advocate, being someone responsible, maybe being in disability ministry, or maybe you're fostering kids, you know, these situations that are are so unique and really, really challenging and require a lot of advocacy. I think the thing I was running into was that I was feeling like a struggle with how do you advocate and how do you do that as a Christian? And I don't know, maybe this isn't hard for some people, so take it or leave it. But this is this was kind of my struggle, not even just at this time with Kevin, but this had kind of all become more of an issue in my life, I think, because of our adoption process. But even just being Courtney's mom at the time and the medical challenges she had, different hospitalizations, different experiences with physicians, things like that, definitely just brought into my life these times, these moments, these experiences where you have a choice to speak up and you have a choice not to speak up. And when you speak up, there is risk, okay? There's risk with people. There is risk of not being liked. There's risk of being misunderstood. There's risk of retaliation. But I got to a point where it was so hard for me to not speak up that I just kind of, again, with this devotional and just with other promptings from the Lord, just found myself in this place in life where I was like, I have to figure this out. I have to figure out how to be a Christian and know that when you speak up, yeah, you, you're going to tick people off sometimes. It's, it's true, period. I'll save you from having to consider that. It will happen. You know, so I had to kind of come to terms with like, how do I do this as a Christian? Because I can't not do it. I just kind of got into that point of I can't not speak up. 
anymore. Um, and a couple things had led to that, and I'll, I'll kind of get back to that. But that's kind of where this kind of started from. But this devotional, as I read it, it was so impactful to me on how really we have to say what needs to be said. And um, this book, I'm going to tell you the name of it. It's Seeking Daily, the Heart of God, and it's by Boyd Bailey. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'm holding it up right now. And it is, it's called The Sin of Silence. And yeah, I mean, this just changed the way I viewed advocacy, period. And I guess I just want you to stop for a second and think through the things that require you to speak up. You know, it could be in relationships if you are a parent of a child that is school age and has a disability. It could be in IEP meetings. It could be at doctor's appointment for yourself. I mean, you, somebody, maybe you don't have a disability. It could be just advocacy for yourself. It could be for your 90-year-old parent. It could be for your father who's schizophrenic. I guess maybe just if you take a second, kind of before we move forward, maybe just stop and think, like, what are the areas you've had to speak up and you haven't, like that you've needed to speak up and you haven't, or what are the areas, the experiences you've had that you have had to speak up? And maybe just think of what your world looks like for you, your experiences, your relationships, your unique situation. Again, for me, it's a lot of medical advocacy. It always has been for, with Courtney, it's been 23 years. I mean, she would have just turned 23 in December. So 23 years of medical advocacy. And I would say like when I think back to when she was a baby, <laughs> I always say this, like nobody could have prepared me for the amount of advocacy needed for someone like her. Nobody could have prepared me. I wish I was more prepared because when I first started that journey as an 18-year-old teen mom, I think you're like a deer in headlights. But I think any parent that's thrown into, hey, my child's in the NICU for a month or for a few weeks or a handful of months. I mean, you're brand new at this. You're brand new to the medical world. You think doctors know everything. You don't even know how to have a voice, right? And so um, really, you're a deer in headlights, right? It's very similar in the world of special education. You know, we have some friends of ours that just had their first IEP meeting, you know, and I was kind of coaching them a little again, not an expert, but just kind of giving them some things that I've learned kind of maybe the hard way, some tips for that meeting. Because again, you feel like you're a deer in headlights, like how do I do this? And so yeah, for me, it's been a lot of medical advocacy. It's been a lot of uh, school advocacy, tons of that. You know, advocating like both of my kids are on Medicaid waivers and, you know, advocating for different things in the Medicaid waiver system. I'm trying to think just even in my home, like we've had nurses that have worked for us really since court turned three years old. And I mean, even that for those of you who are maybe listening to this, who can relate to this, like having caregivers in your home, people on the outside can look at that and go, oh, it's good you get help, right? And and have zero clue that the second you start having home health in your home, you're running a small business and you have no clue how to run a small business, right? And so for me, it's like learned the hard way, crazy the hard way, how to run a small business, manage people in my home. And, you know, just the list goes on and on. How about in the church? I mean, for those of you who are listening, who are caregivers or who have a disability, I mean, I'm sure you have had to advocate for yourself or for someone else in the church and you've had to speak up. And I guess what I want to say is I think the thing that becomes hard is 
Sometimes when you speak up, the reality is not everyone's always going to look at you and go, you're right. You have a point. I understand. We're on the same page. Great if they do, right? (laughs) Great if they do. And sometimes that will happen. But the reality is you end up in some really challenging situations, some relational challenges. And I think that's where for me, I would get that icky feeling of like, this is really hard. And how do I show the love of Christ? Do these people even know I'm a Christian, like in my advocacy, right? And so I don't know. Do you can you relate to that where this is this is rough? These are some rough phone calls, some rough battles. I mean, even today, it was crazy because I'm on this phone call with my dad's home health agency. And and I'm not joking that it was this really challenging phone call with this woman from this agency. And I hang up the phone and my husband looks at me and goes, well, that's crazy considering what you're about to talk about today on your podcast. And I was like, I know. And I'm thinking that was a, a little bit of a heated phone call, but it was so unethical that I looked at him. I'm like, this is what gets my blood boiling, right? <laughs> and and again, you know, I think I said in the my first episode that, you know, I'm tenacious, I'm feisty, and I am, and those can be my biggest strengths and those can be my biggest weaknesses. And I will admit that there are times that I have failed miserably at being an advocate, but there have also been times where I've just learned you speak up and you call something out, you call wrong wrong, you call evil evil. I say all that to just say to you and encourage you for a second that sometimes we try to convince ourselves for those of us who are on really unique journeys. And again, it doesn't even just have to be disability, but let's just say hard, unique journeys. Sometimes we try to convince ourselves like our lives are not much different than other people around us. And yet they really are. And I just want to reassure you of that because I've experienced this. I've experienced this where maybe you're telling someone about this school issue you have, maybe this legal school issue you have, right? And someone just looks at you and just can't even wrap their brain around what you're going through with your school district. And the reason they can't understand it is because they've never lived it. And so instead of walking away and going, oh, am I like crazy? How many of you have asked yourself that when you're just like, wait, am I the crazy one? Oh my gosh. But no, really think of it. How many times have you walked away from a conversation where someone just has no clue how to enter into some of the battles you face, some of the experiences you have? And that's not to dismiss in any way people who don't know things about disability. And so sometimes I've really just had to reassure myself that when someone can't understand my struggles, the challenges that we face, the experiences that we walk through, that that needs to mean something. And what it means to me is that there's a reason a lot of people can't totally identify with the situations you're in because people with disabilities experience unique amount of injustices. And so they're going to require different levels of advocacy. So I guess I was thinking about it today and I was thinking, you know, okay, you think of people with disabilities and you think they have their whole set of laws. They have their ADA laws, right? You think of other marginalized groups like people of color, right? And you think, you know, we have the civil rights laws, right? These are groups that are high risk 
groups. And there's a reason they're high risk. It means they're at high risk of discrimination. It means they're at high risk of injustices. It means they're at high risk of different forms of oppression, right? Abuse, all of those things. And so I do think that's where I kind of stop and go, not that you can't have a voice in my life <laughs> if, if you don't have you know, a foot in the world of disability. That's that's not the case at all. But there's just going to be this disconnect. And I'm going to trust that as I'm sharing this, that for those of you who have your foot in the world or your whole body, <laughs> your whole life in the world of disability or just something uniquely challenging, I'm going to just trust that you get that and you get what I'm saying. There's just always going to be a disconnect. And, and I'll touch on that a little bit more. But I want to just share with you um, some of the reasons when I did put this on Facebook and just kind of put out there to people, hey, help me with my podcast. Give me some thoughts on why you don't speak up when you think you should or why you do speak up. And I just want to read some of these to you because because I think it's really encouraging, even if we can't change how we feel for each other. I think it's encouraging to hear that other people struggle with the same thing. And so I'm just going to read a couple keynotes from from people who posted to me and shared things. But one person said, if I think the message won't be well received, I tend to not say anything. Someone else wrote, I sometimes struggle with speaking up for what I believe but Christ says we have to deny ourselves and it is more difficult as an autistic person to come out of my shell, even though it has gotten better over time. Thanks to the Lord. That was one of my favorites. I love that it's a person with a disability talking about him having his own voice and speaking up, right? And I love how he, right away he hit the nail on the head of like, but Christ says we have to deny ourselves. If you don't speak up, nothing changes. If you speak up, everything can change. That was powerful. I don't like conflict, so I try to avoid it, but I'm trying to grow in this area. And I loved that. I loved the transparency, the honesty of, I'm not totally there, but I'm trying. Sometimes I don't speak up because I feel like what I have to say won't make a difference. And it depends on the situation, but I usually speak up if someone be, is being mistreated, especially if it's a child. And this mom, she go, kind of goes on and on about kind of like situations where she would speak up, like especially if it was a kid. And she said, I got yelled at by a lady in Walmart because she was treating one of her children terribly and causing a scene. I was so concerned for this little one, so I offered to help. She says, my daughter was horrified, but I told her it's a good thing to speak up when people are struggling. And she found me when I was checking out and she apologized for how she talked to me. And I was able to talk to her for a minute and told her, I'll pray for her. And okay, this one I got at like 11 o'clock at night and I'm laying in bed and on my phone and I'm like, wow. Okay, so I messaged this mom back and I'm like, okay, tell me more about this situation because I'm laying there reading this going, what would I do if I was in Walmart and I saw someone, you know, mistreating their child, would I actually intervene? Would I say something? And I thought I'd probably be afraid I'd get beat up or something. I don't know. But I was just like, you are so brave. You are so courageous. And, you know, and it actually made me stop and think of times in my life when someone has spoken up for me. And I, in this situation that this mom was describing, made me stop and go, wow, I need to be willing to do that because someone has done that for me. Someone has watched me be in a situation where I can't help myself and I need to be willing to sacrifice. And I kind of thought about it and I thought, okay, 
But that doesn't necessarily mean I have to go up to that person in that moment. It means I could find security or I could call 911. But I do love this mom's example, though, of even how then this mom ended up coming up to her, finding her and apologizing. And so I think that's even a form of accountability when you're, you know, seeing someone mistreat a child. And, you know, I know this mom and I know she wasn't like jerky and terrible to her. I know she just offered help. And even though this mom originally resisted it and was angered by it, ultimately she showed that she cared for this other mom. And so it ended up being somewhat well received, right? So anyways, I loved that one. Like I said, we went back and forth a handful of times just talking and I was just like, wow, Lord, make me bold, make me courageous, make me brave like that. And then one of my friends actually said, I realized that part of what kept me from speaking up in the past was my own soul wounds in feeling insecure and unimportant. There has been a direct link to me finding so much healing in the deepest parts of my soul that have made me a better advocate and the confidence to speak up because I'm also not so worried as much of what others think. She said, I used to be paralyzed by the what ifs of what doctors or other medical personnel would think of me if I spoke up. But finding healing and appreciating my own self-worth has made a huge difference. And there have been many times where if I hadn't spoke up and asked a crazy question or firmly kept being that annoying mom until someone heard me, that I'm not sure how long or if anyone else would have figured out sources of pain or serious complications that were getting overlooked. And this is, she's talking about her daughter who has medical needs and disabilities. Personally, I think more recently I speak out a little too much, laugh out loud. I think it's more out of frustration of how the quote unquote process goes. But I promise my kids every day that I will be the best advocate that I can be. And then another mom said, honestly, fear is what made me speak up. And then she said, and fear is what also makes me not speak up. I fear that if I speak up too much, I will sound stupid or be that mom because everyone remembers when you become that mom and could possibly treat you different in the future. And then uh, where's the last one? Uh, Fear if I say something, then I'm being that person who's always complaining or thinking that I am right. And fear if I do who else would be the one to step up and help her for all of her needs. And again, that's a mom of a chronically ill child. And then this one I thought was really impactful. What keeps me from speaking? Exhaustion. Sometimes I need just one thing to be easy, and it never is. Wow. And let me just say, and this is caregivers of kids, adult kids with disabilities, chronic illness. This was like we said, someone with autism himself. This is a mom who fosters kids, who's adopted kids. And then a couple people who don't really, to the best of my knowledge, have really any disability experience. Maybe they have caregiving, not sure. I'm not sure the context of what they shared, but but they shared and I'm thankful for that. So those were a handful that really stood out to me of what people really feel and what makes them speak up and what makes them not speak up. And I think it is interesting to say that fear can do both. Fear can make us not speak up, fear of retaliation, but then also fear of, well, if not me, then who? And I think it's crazy how the same emotion, fear can do harm and do good. Um, And yet at the same time, I want to interject this. You know, when I think about what a lot of these moms, for example, were saying about 
being that mom, becoming that mom, right? And this kind of retaliation, this fear of retaliation. I do want to say I am going to do a podcast about medical retaliation because we have experienced that. Um, I mean, and like for people who know us and have followed our journey with Courtney, I mean, we have experienced intense medical retaliation over the years. And I've come to learn, again, just this whole advocacy theme, this whole speaking up theme. I have come to learn from advocacy groups that this is not uncommon. I felt like it was uncommon because I had never experienced it for her before or in our lives or in our you know medical journey, but I've come to learn it's real. And so I guess when I read people saying they're afraid, they're afraid of that retaliation, they're afraid of being treated different. I guess what I want to say is it can happen. And that doesn't change that that advocacy is right or wrong, but it but it can, you know, have outcomes that don't work out the way we want. And I think that's advocacy in general that, you know, you can advocate for someone you love, you can speak up for someone who needs you to speak up for them. And the person receiving that you know, I'd love to sit here and say, everyone's going to receive it great. And that just isn't true. But that doesn't change your why. That doesn't change why are you doing this. And so I think what I want to go back to is, so what is our why? And if you're listening to this and you're a follower of Christ, then our why is Christ. And this is where it really becomes kind of this black and white issue. The gray kind of fades away more and more, right? We create those gray areas, the what ifs and, you know, all of that. But when we stop and go, am I doing this for Jesus? Do I have to answer to Jesus someday? Kind of like the story I shared of our adoption journey, like, Lord, here's all of our no's. And then Dan says, but none of these reasons are good enough to not adopt Kevin to stand before Jesus and give someday, right? And so it's like, I think we have to stop and, and go, if we're doing this for the Lord, if we believe that someday we will stand and give an account for our lives, then that changes the whole picture. And I want to give you an example of this. So first, let me reference. So in the Bible, there's the parable of the talents. And talents are money. And it's about a master who gives three servants different amounts of money. And his expectation is, you know, hey, go and do something with this money to make more money, right? I'm entrusting these talents to you. I'm entrusting this money to you. And one person, one of the servants out of fear, buries the money and like he gets ridiculed by the master because all he did was act in fear and did nothing to help the master. The other two doubled, you know, what their talents were and they were praised for it. And so although in these situations of advocacy and speaking out, we're not dealing with money per se, but we're dealing with things that the Lord has entrusted us to. And this is how I've really started for many years now, many, many years to view my kids. And when I kind of started going this route of, man, this journey just requires so much speaking up. How do I do this? How do I do this confidently? It it really came down to just realizing, Lord, this is who you've entrusted to my care. I will have to stand before you someday, Lord, and give an account for the things I did. And so that is what has made this become a little easier for me. And I'm not saying I don't struggle. I still struggle at times. 
But these are the things I tell myself too when I'm struggling. So let me back up then and say, here's kind of one of the situations that really made me go, man, I I have to figure out how to speak up. So my daughter, Courtney, had um, a central line, which is in her case, it was a basically a surgically placed IV that went into her heart. And that is how she took in IV nutrition that she lived on for about 17 years. And you have to take diligent care of a central line. Otherwise, it can kill you. It can cause sepsis. If it gets infected in a pediatric patient, you can die within two hours. I mean, anytime she had a fever, we had to do blood work and IV antibiotics. It was this whole huge production, right? It's it's a big deal when you have a central line and proper central line care. And so what I was finding in the hospital when we would be admitted was that about 50% of nurses weren't doing proper central line care. And this was really hard for me because when we first had to make the hard choice to stop feeding her, we were told that 50% of kids would die within five years of either liver failure or sepsis. And so we were like, well, we're going to bust our butts. We're going to take great care of the central line. We're going to do everything we can to prevent infections. And so here we are at home being meticulous and diligent in all of that. And then we go into the hospital and I'm watching this really poor execution of central line care. And I just want to say for anyone listening, medical or even non-medical, I mean, just to give you an idea of how prevalent this is in our hospitals, Medicare, for example, won't even pay for hospital acquired central line infections anymore because it's super costly and they can be prevented. So these are preventable infections most of the time that really just come from not practicing proper central line care quick little medical lesson for the day. But I say that to say, so you can imagine as a mom, it's incredibly disheartening to have to be in the hospital and watch someone do care you would never do or do it in a way you would never do. And I found myself like standing at her bedside and having to give constructive feedback. And I would never be a jerk to anybody, but I'd have to give constructive feedback to the nurses on, hey, here's how this needs to be done, or I need you to do that different, please. And it created this tension. And and there were very creative ways that I went about kind of remedying this situation. But I would say that was when I began to realize if I don't speak up, this can kill her. Like this is life and death for my daughter. And I remember the one time someone did bad central line care on her and I didn't speak up. And I remember begging the Lord to preserve her life after that person walked out of the room. And I also knew in that moment, I could not live that way anymore. I knew that I could not live in a way that I'm not doing anything in the moment I'm, I'm, I'm sinning because I'm not speaking up. I'm sinning against my daughter and I'm sinning against the God who has entrusted my daughter to me. And ultimately, if you think of it, I'm actually sinning against that nurse by not being loving enough to say, hey, that's, that's not your protocol here. Or can you do this different? This would bring me comfort. And so I kind of really started exercising. I need to speak up. And then here's what I did. And I know people can relate to this. Then I started the whole, well, I'm just kind of a neurotic mom. 
Can you just scrub that a little bit longer? Can you just clean that a little bit better? Sorry, I know I'm just kind of just kind of anal about things or, you know, and I would put myself down. And you guys, you've probably done this because here's the thing. We don't want to seem like we're know-it-alls. And even those things I just read to you guys, it's a lot of us saying we don't want to be that mom. We don't want to be that person that acts like, oh, I know everything. But here's the thing, you guys. You think of the disciples when they first started following Jesus. What was it that people were astounded by? Like, these are uneducated men. How do they know this? How do they know how to preach the word of God? How do they know, you know, how do they go from being fishermen, right? And these uneducated men to all of a sudden having these amazing gifts. And it's the Holy Spirit. And you guys, even for us, I mean, it's the Holy Spirit. It's our experiences. Like I had studied central line care probably more than any of those nurses because I was committed to... I'm not going to let my daughter die from this, right? And so this was so personal to me. And scrubbing a cap for 30 seconds was an honor to get to do if it meant that it preserved her life, right? And so for me, I I guess I would just encourage you that like, it's such a sad place to be in. And again, I'm saying that personally because I've done it. I've been there where it's like, you have gifting. You may not have a medical degree. You may not have a special education degree. You may not have a degree in wheelchairs or things like that or social work. But by all means, when you're living and breathing these things for your kids and God just gives you supernatural knowledge or just you've put the time and the work and the effort into it, sometimes the money, sometimes you've paid really great lawyers to teach you about special education laws or you've gone to conferences and workshops, by all means, you don't. we don't need to put ourselves down. If we're educated in something and we know something's right and there's an expectation why, why do we think we need to dumb ourselves down to make someone else feel better, right? And this is where it just comes down to how do we do this then? How do we do this when we're in these situations that are hard and challenging and require advocacy? And going back to that medical retaliation or tensions, you're trying to build good relationships with people. Here's what I would say is that, yes, those risks are there. And they're always going to be there. You're going to be misunderstood at times. And even that was a journey I had to go through with the Lord where I had to let him teach me that some of being misunderstood, some of if I was going to not be liked by someone because of my advocacy, then some of that was like what my friend said that has autism that was talking about speaking up. But we're called to deny ourselves. We're called to lay our lives down for Christ. And Jesus was misunderstood. Jesus was hated by people. I mean, look, at the end of his life, he was crucified. He was that hated, right? The people had turned on him so much. The religious leaders didn't understand him, right? And so part of me has had to stop and go, I'm identifying with Christ, even when this is really hard and I'm having to enter into these challenging times. I'm identifying with, I'm doing what's right and there's consequence with it, there's risk with it, or there's relational tension with it. So I just want to encourage you, we don't need to put ourselves down to make others feel better. I would say pretty confidently, that's not the will of the Lord. Like he's gifted you, he's enabled you, he's equipped you, he's chosen you for your child or for that person with a disability or even yourself. You know, even my husband, he's a school teacher. And I remember the one time just saying to him, babe, like, I'm sure you've had plenty IEP meetings where no parents show up. (laughs) 
So even if even if someone shows up with a, a mentor or an attorney or who knows what, right? We need to be grateful for that because there's plenty of kids who have no representation from parents, right? And so I always think the same thing about parents and, you know, legal guardians and people who advocate, family members, all of that, that are speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. Sometimes I've asked that question, like, aren't you thankful that this child has someone to advocate? And so the other thing I want to give an example of is, so there was a time when, you know, I remember Courtney came out of the operating room and she had a lot of blood in the cap of her central line. And that can cause infection, clotting, things like that. And then we always had the same anesthesiologist who I just adored. And, you know, she was going to take court to the OR again at a later time for something else. And I remember knowing I had to talk to her about the blood that was in her central line the last time she had her in the OR. And so I remember emailing her and saying, hey, can you call me? And we had this call and I just shared, I just shared my heart with her. You know, I just shared, hey, doctor, so-and-so, we're working really hard to keep court safe. And we know the statistics. We know the statistics that are against us for her life. And this was really hard for me. It's really hard for me to hand her over to someone else and trust that when I can't be there, that the people are doing things well and right. And and I just really poured my heart out to her, kind of like what it's like to live with a child who has medical needs, but also has this lifeline in them that needs to be protected. And she thanked me and thanked me and thanked me for being honest with her, sharing with her. And and like we never had an issue after that. And it was honestly just more of like a knowledge deficit, truly. And it was just a conversation that needed to be had. And so that's even something I would just encourage you with, especially, you know, the people who are listening who are in those situations of like, I'm going to be misunderstood. I can become that mom then I would just challenge you and encourage you, help them to understand who you are then. Help them to understand where you're coming from. See if you can sit down with them and have a phone call with them or have, if you're inpatient in the hospital, see if you can explain to them what your goals are and and how you're working towards you know, whatever that issue is that, you know, you're trying to get on the same page about. But I think communication is key. And then it doesn't have to get, you know, feisty and tensions and conflict. But again, at the end of the day, there's going to be times where you can do everything right and there can still be retaliation. There can still be judgment. There can still be misunderstanding. There can still be conflict, you know, and we've had situations where we've had to sit a doctor down and go, thank you so much. Like God chose you to take care of court during this season of our life. And I think it's just time for our family to move on, you know, and even like times we've had to do that, like we make it a point to have face-to-face conversations with that person. And so I think communication is absolutely key. And I know we're not always given those moments where we can just sit and have thoughtful conversations. So a couple tips from this devotional that I referenced at the beginning that I just want to share with you. One of the scriptures they referenced, which I thought was really amazing, is Leviticus 5.1. And it says, If a person sins because he does not speak up when he hears a public charge to testify regarding something he has seen or learned about, he will be held responsible. And then Proverbs 31.8 says, speak up for those who literally cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. And another version of that, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. And then Matthew 16, 24 through 26, if anyone desires to come after 
after me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And I was thinking, it makes me think of that song by Toby Mac. I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul. And then we talked about the parable of the talents and how these are people, 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 you guys. These are people that the Lord has entrusted to us. This is a high calling on your life. And look at it that way. Look at it like this is who the God of the universe has handpicked for me to care for, for me to advocate for. Look at it as a privilege, no matter how hard it is, how challenging it is, how uncomfortable it is, because it is uncomfortable. I hate conflict. I absolutely hate it. But I'll do it if I have to. And I can't tell you the horrible situations I've walked through that have made me get to a point where I'm like, I physically cannot emotionally, mentally, spiritually, I cannot live this way, not speaking up, you know? And so I just want to encourage you with that. These are people, these are God's children, people that the Lord created, that he is entrusting to you. And this is what it's saying. Like if we don't speak up about something that we're called to testify about, we will be held responsible. And so even with like that situation I was saying about her central line when I didn't, you know, speak up, I mean, I really just got to a point where I'm like, I fear man more than I fear God. And that's not okay. I cannot fear man more than I fear God. Like I was literally obsessed with what people thought of me. I wanted in the medical world, I wanted people to walk into our room and be like, it's the boils. They're amazing so easy to get along with. And guess what? We had that most of the time, almost all the time. And yet I knew there's going to be some people who just aren't going to think that way. And that can't be my issue. If I say what I need to be said, if I say what needs to be said with sincerity, with concern, not dumbing myself down, not, you know, putting myself down, but I say what needs to be said and I do it with the intentions to protect that person, I cannot worry what someone thinks. I can't. That's not my weight to carry. And Matthew 10, 28 is where it talks about fearing God and not fearing man. And it's fearing God in that sense of, again, He's entrusted them to you and it's sinful. It's actually wrong, you guys. And we and we don't say that enough. Like it's sinful to not speak up when we're supposed to. And that's what has to be the conviction of our heart is that God calls us to speak up. This is this person, Courtney, she belongs to God. She's on loan. She was on loan to me. Kevin, he belongs to God. He's on loan to me. My dad, he belongs to God. He's on loan to me. And I've been given a big job, a hard job. But nonetheless, I have been given a job by God. You know, even when you're like, man, this journey is hard and it requires constant advocacy. This is why, again, these are people, these are groups that had to be fought for. I mean, ADA law went into effect, what, in 1990? I mean, that blows my mind sometimes when I'm like, 10 years before my daughter was born. Look at the civil rights movement. What if Martin Luther King didn't stand up for, for civil rights? I mean, think of that. Like he fought, he fought, right? Like my friend said earlier that quote, if we speak up, everything can change. It can change. It absolutely can change. And so we just can't let fear deter us from doing what's right. And that's where I would just again encourage you to just spend some time praying and really thinking through that there's a right and a wrong. There's a right and a wrong. 
And even Ecclesiastes tells us there's a time to be silent. And you know what, guys? Sometimes it takes discernment to know when are we supposed to be silent? When are we supposed to speak up? But I think those times, I mean, we know those times that we're called and we are supposed to speak up and be an advocate. And we know what the motives of our heart are too. If our if our motives are, I'm not speaking up because this is uncomfortable, because this is hard, because I'm afraid, those are sinful reasons, right? We need to you know, let the truth set us free, right? We need it to be that, hey, we know wrong from right. We know justice from injustice. And again, just going back to these are marginalized people groups that we're talking about. And there's a reason there's laws and so many laws to protect them because there's going to be an extraordinary amount of injustices and advocacy required and needed. And so I just encourage you to look at it as a God-given responsibility so that you're looking at this as more of an act of worship and an extension of love to the person that you're advocating for. And that's kind of what really helped me too was realizing like I need to make decisions I can live with. Ephesians 4.15, and this is super important, you guys, tells us to speak the truth in love. And so you know, shaking your finger in someone's face, throwing stuff at them. Oh my gosh, I used to serve on our family advisory council here at one of our children's hospitals. And oh, the stories we would hear. (laughs) I was like, wow, okay. So if I just give someone some constructive feedback, I'm really not that bad. But no, seriously, like, I mean, you wouldn't believe what some of these medical professionals, what some of these teachers, you know, people go through. And so you want to stand out. You want to do things with dignity and respect, right? Because then at the end of the day, you can walk out of that meeting or you can walk out of that room and you can say, I did everything I was supposed to do, and now I have to trust God with the results, right? That we can't control everything. We can't control people's responses. And again, when it comes to that, then we just have to say, hey, I'm going to identify with Christ. I'm going to identify with maybe not being liked or, you know, maybe being misunderstood. This is a constant laying down my life and saying, Lord, like, I fear you more than I fear man. And I know this is who you've entrusted to my life. And so I'm going to speak up or that was totally unethical. And I'm going to call that out and I'm going to bring that to light or I'm going to file a complaint about that because there needs to be accountability so that this doesn't happen to other people. And so in that decisiveness, like we can be decisive followers of Jesus. We can be people who say wrong is wrong, evil is evil, good is good, right? We can be decisive and be followers of Christ. And so, you know, I think that is what needs to make us stand out is that, you know, we still treat people with dignity and respect. We're not cussing up a storm, throwing things at people, doing terrible things, But, you know, when you look at safeguards that are in place to protect kids in the special education system or the Ohio Department of Health that oversees many hospitals or, you know, grievances and ombudsmen and and different things like that. If you or like I said, hiring an attorney to help you with something, if you have to do things like that to create accountability, because, again, I think it's our role as Christians to also look at it that we're not just advocating for our loved one. The things that we do can be advocacy for others too, right? Because not everybody has someone like you in their lives. Not everybody has a parent or a committed family member that's going to be able to give the time and the attention and the energy to speaking up and advocating for change. So I do just want to encourage you with that. Advocate 
for your loved one, for the marginalized, and and do it in a way knowing that it extends, kind of like when I talked about how adopting Kevin extended far beyond just our family. It's true for advocacy. It's going to extend far beyond just your family. And one quote that I read as I was just researching a lot about speaking up says, if we try to please everyone, we will end up letting down more people. And so I think that's really important too that, you know, I think we're sometimes gripped with fear, but yet we have to recognize that when we don't speak up or we try to be people pleasers, that ultimately we're doing even more harm and doing harm to others as well. And sometimes to the people we love the most. Like I said, that's where it really became a turning point for me of like, Courtney's trusting me. Kevin's trusting me. My dad's trusting me. I mean, people are trusting us. People are trusting us as followers of Christ to be his hands and his feet in this world. And, you know, again, going back to the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not God's will for the marginalized to be oppressed. (laughs) It's not God's will for disabled people to be treated unjustly. It's not God's will for people to, you know, do bad things or violate laws, mistreat people. It's That's not the Lord's will. And so some of these things are so black and white that we have to have complete confidence. Again, knowing like you are standing in the will of God, even if it means someone walks away from that conversation and they think you're terrible or they hate you, <laughs> like it's okay. Then identify with Christ that you just stood for something that actually matters and you're helping to kind of reverse the curse, right? You're helping to reduce evil in this world by your advocacy. So a couple quick little snidbits from that um, devotional that I just love, but it says responsible people speak up when necessary. Sometimes, and this is huge, you guys, sometimes it's easy to remain silent, but God has not called us to a path of least resistance. And we talked about this last podcast, how in the world of Christianity, we often will say something seems like it's God's will because it's easy. And this right here, I felt like, oh, doesn't that just lift a thousand pounds off your shoulders to hear someone say that it's easier to remain silent, but God has not called us to the path of least resistance. And we, and we have to remember that. We have to remember that. He wants us to speak up under the influence of his spirit. Even if the words are hard and direct, God's spirit can deliver them in a loving manner. When you speak up, it means you care. Isn't that amazing? Like even if someone walks away, misunderstands you, doesn't like you, or yeah, you're that mom, you're that person that's going to you know, advocate. It's okay. Like we have to trust the Holy Spirit to use our words, even if we're decisive, even if we're direct, to to use them and deliver them in a loving way. And that that really shows that we care. And oh, I, one thing I was going to say from before, and I kind of got off track, was just also that the crazy thing is, and sometimes I say this to people, because I think when they really just don't understand when you are advocating or they can't understand your position, sometimes I'll just even say, if you were in my shoes, I promise you, you would do the same thing. I promise you, you would feel the same way. You know, think about it. I promise you, you would want equal access to education for your child in school. And I promise you that you would want someone in your home working as this child's nurse that has a great work ethic. I promise you that you know, you would be 
trying to find the best doctor for your dad who's schizophrenic. I promise you, you would hire an attorney for that IEP meeting too, if this was your kid. You know, just things like that. Like, I think sometimes people need to see the emotional side of it and really come to understand like, and again, I hate to say this, this isn't critical, this isn't demeaning, but unless you've done this journey, you really can't understand. It's as simple as that. You just can't. And I've learned to be more okay saying that (laughs) and coming to terms with that. And that's something when you say that and you recognize that there's a sadness to that too, because it's also very isolating that you can probably count on two hands people who you feel like really can understand you and understand your life and understand your struggles, right? So I I know we're not saying that in a condescending way. We're saying it in a way of like, this is really unique. And then a couple other things this author says is, furthermore, make sure you speak up and defend those who are defenseless. Rise to the defense of the widows, the orphans, and the poor who are crushed under the weight of the world's injustice. And this is something I'm going to talk about more in future podcasts. But man, we don't like to talk about injustice. We really don't. People need to hear what this marginalized group can endure and the injustices they have faced. I have a lot of conversations about this with people who have kids with disabilities, adult kids with disabilities, chronically ill. It's amazing how sometimes people want to turn a blind eye to injustice. Um, And as a Christian, I would say it's shocking to me how often that comes from the church a lot of times, and we need to be better than that. We need to be the first people to say, man, we want to know about it and we want to be different. How can we be different? So uh, it says the poor need a person they can trust. The poor are drawn to Jesus when they see God's people stand up for them. And I would extend that poor, marginalized people with disabilities. I mean, there's so many marginalized groups that they just they want to see people stand up for them. They want to see people call wrong, wrong, right? And it says here, you sin if you remain silent over those who are defenseless. And he gives the verse James 127. And I shared this verse in regards to Kevin about our adoption, religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from becoming polluted by the world. And it just makes me think of kind of what I shared last podcast um, about what Johnny Erickson Tata had shared in that book about, you know, suffering and evil and these injustices that we see in our world and especially to these groups that are at such high risk. It is our job as followers of Christ to be his hands and his feet. And the way we get to do that for the people we love that we're caring for or for those of us who have disabilities or our advocates or legal guardians, things like that, or just work in disability ministry, like Jesus's hands and feet, if you read this, the scripture is he stood up for people. <laughs> he 100% stood up for people. And it was oftentimes to the religious leaders, right? And so we need to model that. We absolutely need to be be models of that in our churches, and our communities. We need to create awareness. How are we ever going to change if people don't see the injustices that take place? How would we have ever had ADA laws? How would we ever have had the civil rights movement? How would we have ever abolished slavery if it wasn't for people who stood up and were passionate and fought for things worthy to be fought for? And so let that just 
if I know for me, it makes me go, okay, it's supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be easy because we're fighting for really and advocating for really important things, right? Like it's not going to be easy and it shouldn't be easy. And it just means that we're doing something worthy. We're doing something worthy. And so again, when you're doing it for the Lord, and that's what the Bible tells us, no matter what you do, whether you eat, whether you drink, right? Do it for the Lord. Do it for Jesus, right? So even though you could look at an IEP meeting and think that has nothing spiritual in it at all, oh my gosh, it absolutely does. Every way you care and show the love of Christ and advocate, that's all an example of of just the spirit in you and Jesus's heart for these marginalized groups and how you're bringing a little bit of heaven to earth, right? It's what we're called to do. It's who Jesus calls us to be. And so as I wrap up, I just, again, just want to encourage you that silence can be sinful. If you take away anything from today, silence can be sinful. And our minds don't think that way. Our hearts don't think that way. I I know that because I hadn't thought of it that way until I read this devotional and then, you know, did a lot of research on this topic and scriptures and just realized like, yes, our silence can absolutely be sinful. And I'll leave you with a quote from Martin Luther King, who said, there comes a time when silence is betrayal. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. For evil to succeed, all it needs is for good men to do nothing. That was a huge scale that he was, you know, advocating for, and maybe ours seem minimal and not worth it or too tiring. But the Bible also tells us, do not grow weary in doing good for at the right time you will reap a harvest, right? And and that may be in heaven. That may be in heaven someday when Jesus says, well done, well done. I saw you advocate. I saw you fight. I saw the tears. I saw the exhaustion, but you still did it and you honored me in it. And so I just pray that for you. I hope that for you and um, just know everything you're doing with the intentions to love someone well who has a disability or who's in a marginalized group, that just caring for them, advocating for them, it all reflects the heart of God. And so just be intentional in those moments when you're torn over speaking up or not speaking up. And just remember that it's in our silence that we can sin. And it's in our speaking up and our advocacy that we can show the world Christ and we can trust him with the results. We could trust him with the consequences of speaking up, whether it's They're good consequences, maybe sometimes negative consequences. But like that author said, when we speak up, it shows that we care. It shows that we care and it shows the heart of God. So be encouraged, my friend. Um, You're doing an amazing job. It's a really hard job. I know that and I know many of the people listening to this know that, get that. And Jesus knows it. He sees, he sees, like I've shared before, he knows the number of hairs on our head. He watches us and he knows. Um, And again, even in these moments that can feel isolating, that can feel hard, these are moments that we get to identify with him, those times we feel misunderstood. But be bold, be courageous, and know that this is what God has called you to do. Take care. Follow and subscribe to the Invited In Podcast and visit www.christineboyle.com.